Governor J.B. Pritzker delivered a highly charged budget address to the state of Illinois this week, one that Republicans are calling partisan and out of balance. Meanwhile, the longtime Speaker of the House, who was ousted from that job last month, announced his resignation from the General Assembly. We'll talk about all that on this week's edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. Governor Pritzker delivered his third budget address to the General Assembly on Wednesday, a $41.6 billion plan that some might call the state's pandemic budget. Here's part of what he had to say. The general funds budget I present today for fiscal year 2022 spends $1.8 billion less than fiscal year 2021. It reflects $400 million in additional cuts to appropriations, a hiring freeze, flat operational spending, full required pension payments, and the closure of unaffordable corporate loopholes. All in all, it reduces spending to meet projected revenues. Pritzker even delivered that address in a pre-recorded video from the state fairgrounds in Springfield to avoid having to gather the lawmakers into a crowded House chamber. But that didn't stop him from lashing out at Republicans or from continuing to blame part of the state's fiscal problems on his predecessor. Two months ago, I asked Republicans in the General Assembly for their proposals to close this year's budget deficit. I was met with silence. Apparently, their idea of bipartisanship ends when hard choices must be made. I won't pretend that these tough decisions don't have a human impact because we are operating within one of the most bare-bones government infrastructures in the country. While the right-wing carnival barkers have used our state as a laboratory to undermine essential public investments, the fact of the matter is Illinois state governments spend less money per person than the majority of states in this nation. Not surprisingly, Republicans took exception to those remarks, especially his call for closing what he called the corporate tax loopholes. Here's State Senator Terry Bryant of Murfreesboro in a live stream news conference after the speech. Today, I saw the governor present the most partisan speech I've heard in my rather lengthy time uh, in politics. Today, the governor of Illinois stood before the people of the state of Illinois and demonstrated just how out of touch he is with the struggles and challenges Illinoisans have to face in their everyday lives and have had to for the past year. And so here to help shed some light on all of this is Capital News Illinois' own Statehouse Bureau Chief Jerry Nowicki and fellow reporter Ray Troncoso. Guys, glad to have you here. Yeah, glad to be back, Peter. Jerry, let's start with you. Um, There were Republicans saying this budget is out of balance and they threw around various numbers of $1.6 billion, maybe up to $2 billion. But the budget document that the governor's office sent us shows a $100 million surplus at the end of the year if you assume that lawmakers pass all of the business tax changes he's calling for. So which which is it? Is this budget in balance or not? Uh, the, it's balanced on the requirement that the General Assembly will take the corporate make the corporate tax changes uh, that the governor is requesting. And if you don't make those changes, then you're 
considerably out of out of whack. So the revenue without changes right now would not match expenditures. Um, of course, it's hard to predict what we actually will see in terms of tax revenue and whatnot. But you know, you have these budget officials who their whole career is just uh, projecting out what those numbers will be. So the governor's projection suggests that with the corporate tax changes uh, making up more than $900 million, his budget would be balanced with uh, that added revenue. Okay. And, you know, one of the questions that people always ask uh, in budget talks is who wins and who loses? Uh, obviously, some agencies and services are going to have to take a cut. Uh, who are, who's losing out on this? Well, um, it, it would seem to be the businesses and corporations that are currently uh, enjoying taking advantage of, maybe even relying on some of that revenue uh, through the what the governor calls loopholes or what the corporations call incentives, what Republicans call incentives. I'd say you'd have to certainly call them a loser to a certain extent. Um, People who don't want their income taxes raised would be on the winning side of this because uh, despite the revenue shortages, there is no call for a income tax hike. Um, I know K-12 advocates, K-12 education advocates would have liked uh, the governor to allocate the added $350 million that the evidence-based funding model calls for. Um, so. Right now, I'm sure education advocates would would consider this budget not quite up to what they wanted. But um, yeah, other than that, I don't know. It's it's just it's always a sort of give and take when you're when you're in in the straits that Illinois is with uh, uh, being able to have the the uh, revenues match expenditures. And I, I remember, uh, I think it was Dan Hines in the governor's office uh, saying that they do kind of expect a lot more federal money for public schools, uh, maybe as part of a relief package that could be passed in the next few months. Uh, how reliant is this budget on federal funds to fill in some of the gaps? Um, it's it's so it's it's not reliant. It's not saying, oh, we can balance this if Congress passes more aid. But the aid that has already passed, um, I think, as you correctly noted in a story we wrote, um, allows them some flexibility in terms of the feds are uh, you might know the percentage. The feds are upping Medicaid percentage by a certain amount which um, alleviates some of the burden that the state has to that Medicaid, Medicaid program. So um, it allows them to shift those resources elsewhere. Yeah, I think it's a little over six percentage points, which doesn't sound, sound like right. much, but if you think about the billions of dollars that flow through a state Medicaid program in a state the size of Illinois, uh, a few percentage points adds up to a lot of money. Um, yeah, so the governor's the governor's office prefers to say, you know, it's not reliant on the federal funds. They're leveraging the federal funds that passed in the various uh, COVID stimulus packages in years past. Um, okay. But they're not hitching their wagons to new federal money. Okay, Ray, let's turn to you. Uh, Republicans weren't happy with this, but they are the opposition party, and it's kind of their job not to be happy. How did the Democrats in the General Assembly react uh, when they saw this budget plan? 
Democrats generally have been, you know, pretty supportive of what Pritzker's put out uh, in terms of his budget recommendation for the General Assembly to take up. The Black Caucus specifically uh, thinks that this is a pretty good budget. Uh, to some in the Black Caucus, it's a good step in the right direction. Um, some are asking for more than what the governor has promised, specifically on education, and to fund a lot of new programs and initiatives that the Black Caucus just passed last month uh, as part of their uh, legislative agenda during the lame duck session. It's going to take a lot of money to do some of the things that they're advocating for, such as mandatory body cameras for all officers, the new overhaul of the police certification system that uh, Iletsby is doing. That takes money. Um, and it's not really in the budget that the governor put out that that money's going to be there. Okay. And did did you pick up on indications that this budget uh, assumes that the governor is going to pass or he's going to sign that controversial criminal justice reform bill? Not in the budget itself, but members of the Black Caucus said during their reaction to the governor's address that he has promised them to sign the legislation very soon. However, uh, Justin, uh, Representative Justin Slaughter, who was one of the uh, main crafters of that legislation, said that, you know, n not in as much words that he was disappointed, but that he was concerned that the budget could undercut some of the reforms they've made and that there isn't money for our let's be to, to do that police certification. There isn't more money to, to give grants to police departments to put in mandatory cameras. So, you know, in that sense, the budget itself is a step in the right direction, but I think the Black Caucus is looking for a little bit more. And you're talking about the Illinois Law Enforcement Training and Standards Board, is that it? Yes. Okay, and they're, they're the ones who will be certifying or decertifying uh, police officers and and they're yeah so they're also going to be responsible for basically controlling and updating databases that basically every state agency is going to need access to and they're also one of the outside of the federal government one of the primary sponsors of different programs and grants that local departments need to get uh, body camera systems up and running Okay. Well, I uh, want to turn back to Jerry now and talk about the other major news of the week. I suppose we can't go without noting the resignation of former House Speaker Michael Madigan. Uh, he's, been in the, he's been in the General Assembly for half a century now. Uh, I guess, did we see this coming once he wasn't reelected Speaker again? Yeah, I think this was expected to a certain extent. Of course, we never knew quite knew when. Um, I know Mark Maxwell from WCIA ended up that he has the lives down the hall from him in his Springfield apartment, and a couple weeks back had reported that he saw him uh, cleaning out his Springfield apartment. The speaker that is, so former speaker. Um, you know, to me, this was it'll sort of color the budget conversation this year because it's the first time in how many decades where Mike Madigan isn't in the room uh, negotiating the state budget. Um, obviously, he didn't set that budget himself. He was just part of those negotiations. So I imagine negotiations will continue as they do normally, but um, he just won't be in the room. Yeah, but this building isn't used to operating without him kind of in the back room holding the strings, so to speak. 
uh, and keeping everybody in line. Uh, we now have Speaker Emmanuel Chris Welch, who's already kind of set a different tone in the House. Um, is that going to make a whole lot of difference, do you think, in the budget negotiations? Yeah, you wonder um, with, uh, like you said, sort of keeping people in line is what, to an extent, Madigan was good at. Um, and you wonder how much uh, will will Chris Welch be able to deliver at the same uh, extent of Mike Madigan was. If Mike Madigan told you he could get, say, 15 votes for a bill, you'd probably get those votes. Um, can Welch make those promises and keep them? Who knows? You know, it's just something. It's just something we're going to have to watch play out. I'm, I don't want to be one to speculate or say I expect this will happen or won't happen, but. It's just going to be a new dynamic. And I, I remember when I first got to Illinois, uh, everybody referred to Madigan as the single most powerful politician in the state. And I was thinking at the time that I came from a state where nobody holds that title. There is no one individual that amasses that kind of power. Do you think we'll ever see anybody else amass that same kind of power that Madigan has had? For our new listeners, Peter's from Kansas, he covered the Kansas State House for That's several right. years. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just, it's hard to imagine um, that a, a politician like Madigan could, could amass that level of power again, partly because it would take a, at least a decade, decade before we realized such a politician was here, because that longevity is part of it. And you know, he was all but two years since 1983, he was speaker. So, um, you know, it'll be a long time before we can even, we'd be able to step back and say, oh, wow, this guy's mirroring Madigan levels of power just because of the longevity. And as far as we know, he's holding on to his post as the chairman of the Democratic Party of Illinois. Uh, he has been a prodigious fundraiser. Um, if he keeps that role, can he still be a kind of behind-the-scenes kingmaker in the party? Yeah, I don't know, kingmaker. I don't know if that's the term, but he'll he'll wield influence certainly um, if if you know he remains atop the Democratic Party. Um, but you know, as even Senator U.S. Senator Dick Durbin had said after the elections, you know, I think we paid a little bit of a price as Democrats, and that's roughly paraphrasing what uh, the U.S. Senator said, um, but he said Democrats paid the price uh, for having Madigan as their um, standard bearer to an extent. And so there's going to probably be some push from powerful Democrats for him to relinquish that title, too. I don't know what to what extent that'll be effective, though. Yeah, Madigan, of course, was tied to the uh, bribery scandal involving Commonwealth Edison, and Republicans really used that to their advantage in uh, the 20, 2020 elections. Um, it probably helped defeat the graduated income tax, uh, probably helped take down a Supreme Court justice, um, and Republicans who were expected to lose maybe 10 seats in the House actually picked up one. So they did pretty well with that. So, yeah, I'm, could there's is there still pressure on him uh, to step aside from people like uh, we heard from Dick Durbin and from Governor Pritzker and a few others? 
Yeah, I haven't heard from uh, Durbin recently. Pritzker sort of was just, he sort of got around it by saying, you know, it's the family that sacrifices when you're in public service for this long. So I, I think Madigan's family, he, he didn't apply the same pressure in terms of party chairmanship, but, um, you know, we'll just have to watch to see if that, that comes up uh, as the next election year. Uh, already well underway with uh, Republican governor candidates announcing. Okay, and we'll keep our eyes on that, and we're just going to leave it there for this edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, on behalf of the entire news team, this is Peter Hancock saying stay safe and thank you for listening.